Acts chapter 1. Praise God. And by the way, I did know that I was going to preach at the beginning of the month because I received the calendar. I'm like, okay, I'm on for the last Sunday, no problem. But I don't know, just the date's got mixed up, you know. The women's conference, my wife was like, hey, I'm leaving. I'm like, I got it, don't worry, we're all good. And it just, you know, I, 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 I forgot about it. And then my dad, on Friday, he's like, uh, you're preaching on Sunday, right? And I'm like, am I? Yes, I was. So, you know, I started, had to start uh, thinking of him and, and asking God what the word was for today. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise God. Let's lift our hands and let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for your wonderful presence here today. Thank you because you are almighty. And because you are sovereign, my Lord Jesus. And we trust you for all things, my Lord. And we know that everything, my Lord Jesus, works together for good. And we know, Father, that you have a word for today, my Lord Jesus. I pray that you anoint my lips, anoint my mind, my Lord Jesus. All of me, my Father, so that your word can flow, my Lord Jesus, un changed unaltered my father just as you wanted today in jesus name amen hallelujah praise god <clears throat> so we're going to go to the book of acts chapter one acts one verse five praise the lord and the word of god says for john truly baptized with water but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Verse 7. And he said to them, It is not for you to know times and seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now, when he had spoken these things, while they watched, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel. Who also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will so come in like manner as you saw him go to heaven. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day journey. Verse 13. And when they had entered, they went up into the upper room where they were staying, Peter's James, John, and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas the son of James. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary the mother of Jesus and with his brothers. Praise God. Amen. You can put your Bibles down for a little bit. Amen. Praise God. So the early church, the early church was placed in a particular position or they were in a, in a, in a situation. They were placed in a position 
um, you know, the, the, the followers of Jesus having just witnessed his ministry, having just seen the many signs, the wonders, um, and, and all that had transpired, amen, during uh, the ministry of Jesus, amen, on this earth. And so the church was now in a position to become, or the followers of Jesus were now in a position to become the church, amen. They were about to receive the, the greatest gift, amen, uh, a, a saturation of power and spirit which would overtake the many people uh, in that time period, amen. They were, something was about to happen that was going to completely change the direction or the way that they were going. The, the, the church was, was being positioned, amen, in, in a very particular way for a very particular time, amen. And everything that they would receive was to place them in alignment, amen, for what was coming up ahead. And uh, they, they, they didn't know much of what was coming. They didn't know what it felt like. They had not been, amen, and filled with the Holy Spirit at this time, amen. But Jesus says to them before his, his ascension, amen, you shall receive power, amen. You shall receive power when the Spirit, amen, comes, uh, uh, when comes uh, to you, amen, and so they were being aligned, they were being put into focus for a particular person, amen, and, and I believe that in the same way the church today has been positioned for such a particular time. There is a very specific purpose for us being in the earth today during these end times or during these final moments, amen. In, in a world where evil abounds, where there's much wickedness, it's rampant, amen, where you cannot go a single day without hearing or reading of the payback or the atrocities of sin, amen. The church is here as a body. The church is here as a unit, amen, to be a dynamic element that can transform our culture. Amen. The church is here for a very specific purpose which can change, amen, that can assist and can be, amen, the vehicle. It can be the mechanism by which lives are transformed, amen, and lives are changed. Uh, evil abounds. I don't need to remind you of that. You can see it all around Evil, wickedness is there, amen. But the church of God is here for that purpose. The word of God says, amen, where, where evil abounds or where, you know, the sin abounds, grace aboundeth much more, amen. The grace of God is here to fulfill a purpose, amen, to see beyond the, the surface of sin, amen. Grace, the, the mercy of God is here, amen, to fulfill a purpose through us, amen, through each and every one of us, amen. And I understand though sometimes it's very difficult to see beyond that sin or see beyond the wickedness and beyond the chains that, that bind the sinner. I get it. I realize that, you know, and, 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 but what we don't realize is that the God, the eyes of God 
see something else. That through the eyes of grace, God sees something totally different. Though through a love that is beyond my understanding, I don't understand how God works. I don't understand his love. Amen. But there is redemption for the sinner. Amen. <clears throat> and believe me, there are people in this world which I would rather much avoid than bring a message of salvation to them. I, I go, I battle with that too. When I hear about or read about what is, you know, happening in our country, in our communities, in our states, in our cities, amen, you know, to young children, innocent boys and girls, and, you know, I have a difficult time to find grace for salvation, amen. And that's, that's, that is the, the title of my, um, of the message today, it's the, the grace of God. We're going to be talking about the grace of God and so um, I, too, battle with that. I don't know if you do or if it's just me, you know. The church, though, is here for more than just a showcase, for more than just a symbol, for more than just, uh, 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 just a, a show. Amen. It's here. It's, it's more than just, you know, like I said, it's more than just a sign. And so if we go back to our, our text, it says that... John baptized with water. Amen. That was a sign. That was a symbol uh, to show someone's intent for what they were wanting to do. Amen. But the word continues and says that the church was promised that they would be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Amen. Which would give them the power to equip them. Amen. For what they needed to be and who they needed to be. Amen. For the sinner and for the lost. Amen. The church has been equipped. The church has been given. Amen. A promise of infilling with power through the Holy Ghost. Amen. To bring about a change to the culture, to the cities, to the world as we know it today. Amen. Again, I'm going to restate it. We have been placed here for a very specific purpose in this very specific time. Amen. No matter how dark it looks, no matter how bleak it may look, amen, when, when there is much darkness, you don't need a whole lot of light to, to know that there is light there. When the darkest is at its darkest hour, amen, even a single little bit of light can make a big difference, amen, and so you and I can make a big difference in this world, in the midst of the sin, in the midst of the wickedness, in the midst of all that is going on, amen, but we need to start seeing all things through the lens of grace, through the lens of mercy, through the lens, amen, of how God sees things. The word of God says to, for us to have the mind of Christ, for us to take on the mind of Christ. And the more that we are in this smoke, in this book, the more we can adopt that, the more we start seeing things the way God starts seeing things. Let's go to the book of Ephesians chapter 2. 
Ephesians 2 verse 8. Somebody say amen. Praise God. Ephesians 2.8 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. Amen. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. Amen. By grace you have been saved through faith. The grace of God is, is principle, it's, it's paramount in our lives. We need to understand that, first of all. The grace of God, it, you know, had it been not for his grace, we would not be here. You and I would not be here, amen. It was his favor towards us, amen, that sent his only begotten son, amen, to die in the cross for us. That has, that is the grace that has been extended to us, amen. That, that is how grace has been shown to us, amen, that he died on the cross for us, which then allows us to make a decision to come to the feet of Jesus, amen, and give our lives to him, to live for him, for him amen. It was through that grace, amen, that while we, while you and I were still sinners, Christ died for us, amen, and, he, and his favor, that uh, really unwarranted, we weren't worthy of that, but he uh, uh, gave that to us, he bestowed that to us, amen, it was that grace of God that was extended to us for every single day, amen, and it is extended to us, and to men and women, to sinners, to believers, to everyone, every single day it is extended for repentance, Amen. You and I have the privilege, as well as the sinner, any single day to come to Jesus, to repent, amen, to take advantage, to, to grasp that grace, to say, I, I'm going to make a difference today. I am going to change. I choose to repent. I choose to change my ways. I choose to do this versus that. I choose to do it, amen. And we have been blessed by that. Titus chapter 3, if we can go to Titus. Titus chapter 3 verse 5 says, Not by works of righteousness which have been done, but according to his mercy he saved us. Through the washing, amen, of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us abundantly, through Jesus Christ, our Savior, not having been justified by his grace, we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. I love the way it starts there, amen. Not by works of righteousness, amen, which we have done, but according to his mercy, amen. That mercy, that grace that has been extended to us, amen, was again, I said like, is in the form of Jesus Christ, amen, who says, whom he poured out on us abundantly. He poured it out abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. If you start thinking about that, it's like, it, it, 
such an amazing thing that transpired, such an amazing thing. And that is our God. That is how our God works. He loves us. He loves you and me. He loves the sinner. He loves the lost. He loves, amen, uh, uh, th that very broken vessel that is called a human being. He delights in us. He has so much love for us that he bestowed that, that he, he just gave that to us. Amen. Now, works and grace are, are connected, are somewhat connected. Amen. You know, the previous scripture that we read in Ephesians says, for grace we have been saved. Amen. Not by works. Right? But the Bible also says, amen, that out of the overflow or out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, which, you know, also correlates at another scripture. And it says, by their fruit, you will know them. Amen. By their fruit, you will know who they are. So works, while you are not saved totally by works, you kind of know you know, you kind of know the individual based on what you are seeing, right? You cannot, you know, you cannot uh, produce something that you are not. That's just, that's just simple logic, simple rules of, of, uh, of uh, uh, I don't know, if you want to make it natural, I want to say physics, or you want to make it spiritual, you know, you, we, can, we can use it in those terms. But that's just the way things work. Uh, uh, whatever is inside of you is what you're going to produce. So while you are not saved by works, if you see something, you can kind of say, well, yeah, you know what? I'm not sure about that person. You know, or you might, you know, you might make a judgment call and you might say, you know what? That's a good person, right? But we obviously don't know the inside. We obviously don't know who they are, amen? That's between them and God. That's absolutely between them and God, right? But we do know that the word of God says, Amen. That it's not by works, that it's by grace, man. So we are saved through grace. But all of us, you and I, and the sinner that's out there, should they come to repentance. Amen. And by that same token or by that same standard, amen, a misused or a misaligned focus on grace can be plenty dangerous too. So you might think, how can having grace or too much grace be bad for me or be bad for someone? Okay? How can, how can having, I'm going to use the word, too much grace be bad for someone? Well, let's go to the book of Jude. Let's go to the book of Jude. And I think that this will mostly apply more for a believer than for the sinner. The sinner is already in sin. The sinner is, is currently lost. Amen. But the believer can fall into this danger zone. Jude chapter 1 verse 4 says, For certain men have crept in unnoticed, who long ago were marked out for this condemnation. Ungodly men who turned the grace of our God into uh, lewdness or, or lasciviousness. What version does it say here? Oh, yeah, lewdness. Amen. Uh, another version says lasciviousness, right? And deny the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. 
So Jude is talking about men and women that through their actions deny that Jesus Christ is Lord because they have taken the grace of God, that very precious gift that the Lord has given us, amen. So they've taken the grace and turned it into a license to sin. By their lifestyle, knowing that the grace of God abounds, they think that they can do whatever they want. They can engage in all kinds of lewdness. As, as a result, their actions speak a message that denies our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We can fall into that danger zone where we take the grace of God and we take it as, as, as a license to do whatever we wish to do and whatever we want. And it's sad that there are people that live that way. They live that way and, and, and they think that uh, uh, all manner of, of entanglements or all manner of actions that they do are simply, oh, they're under the blood, amen. They can be, amen, but you need to have a conscious uh, a, a, a repentance. You need to have a conscious, amen, connection with your God and say, you know what? This behavior does not please my God. This behavior, I'm going to turn away from that. Absolutely, grace is there. But grace, amen, is not there so that we can continue sinning, amen. It is there to, for our benefit, for repentance, amen. It is there for when we need it, amen. And just likewise, the sinner needs it. The sinner is in need of that. The sinner, amen, requires that you and I extend that grace to them. It requires, amen, that you and I speak to them so that they can come to know who Jesus is and why they need him in their life. You might have a neighbor, you might have a friend, you might have a co-worker, I don't know, that you don't want to speak to. You know, I, I'll be the first. I don't like talking to people. I don't talk to people. When I'm walking, I don't talk to people. I just go. And so I don't take much time out of my, you know, out of my trotting where I would be like, hey, you know, what's going on? Or spark of a conversation, you know. But the Spirit of God tells me that I need to be different. I need to try to spark up some type of, you know, smile, some type of a, 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 a connection that could lead, amen, where I could create an opportunity to tell someone that they need Jesus. And I don't know if I should say this. I, I, have, an, I have neighbors that... They're just lost. They are just lost. And, and I need to continuously, continuously preach Jesus to them. I need to continuously tell them that there is a God that can restore their home, can restore their family, can restore their marriage. That is our job. We should want to do that. We do need to do that. 
because grace abounds, because grace is for them just as it was for me. Grace is for them as well. And we cannot, I cannot go on every single day and not think about that and not tell them and not do something that can speak Jesus to them. My life needs to speak Jesus and not just the fact that they watch me go in and out, go in and out every Sunday, every Tuesday or every Friday. Amen. But through other actions, amen, and other things, they need to know that God is for them as well. And so, and that's why, amen, in this passage that we just read, verse 3 says, fight for the faith. It says, contend for the faith. This message of salvation is far too important, amen, to simply let it go. Our works and grace of God must go together. They must be aligned. It is far too important. Like I said, I cannot just go on my merry way in and out without saying to someone, I keep going back to my neighbor, without telling them that Christ is for them as well. I need to contend for this faith. I need to fight for it because this can get lost if, if it's just me and no more if it's just me i'm just happy my wife and my kids everybody else have a good time peace amen no it's not just for me it's for them as well it's for those that are around me and those that are around you as well and one of the beautiful things that happens is that when you are preparing a message when you're writing things down god just talks to you if there's one thing that you should not fear is when you get asked to speak or to, you know, uh, give a lesson or, or, or you know, uh, present something. Because you know what happens? God speaks to you. God speaks to you so profoundly. And at the end of the day, it's almost like the message is for you and not necessarily for the people that are going to hear it. But you, you, you feel that God and you, and you see that God starts talking to you. And, and while you maybe I don't know, you're like, well, I, I got this down. I'm not necessarily in that, in that situation. This was definitely for me. And I feel God reminding me, reminding me. He's like, hey, man. You got you to gotta continue. You got to continue. There's people out there that are lacking of this grace. They don't know that this exists for them. And so I start doing some double taking and, list, and thinking. I'm like, Lord, there's so much to do. There is so much to do. And, and as we were singing earlier today, that song that talks about how powerful our God is, how powerful Jesus is, amen. There is a verse there that says that he has no rival. There is no equal to our God, amen. Such powerful words. Every time I sing that part, I'm just, I just think about my God. And then it's just like God was reminding me, 
I have no equal. He was reminding me that there is nothing that can surpass what I can do. There's nothing that can surpass the marvels, the things that you want to see, the things that can be done in the life of a sinner. There's nothing that can compare to what I can do. I just felt he was like reminding me. I'm like, that is so true. There, you, there is no equal for you. There is no rival. Nothing, nothing can compare to what you can do for mankind, what you can do for the sinner. And if we go back to our opening text, remember that Jesus is giving them instructions because he is about to do something supernatural. Something that they have never experienced. And, and he starts talking to them. And he's about to tell them about the power of the Holy Spirit that they are about to receive. And then they begin asking questions. It's almost like they cut him off. They didn't allow him to finish. And they start asking questions regarding number one. They start thinking about me. They start thinking about us. And they start asking, what are you going to do for us? What are you going to do? Amen. And I get it. They were under oppressive times. And so they start asking, are you restoring the kingdom? Are we finally going to rule? Are you taking the burden of this Roman Empire off of our backs? They were not in alignment with Jesus. He is about to tell them, I'm about to infill you with the Holy Ghost. I'm about to give you power. You are about to see with your eyes miracles, signs, wonders. You are about to see so much. And yet they get in and said, are you finally going to let us relax? Are you finally going to take the, the oppression off of us? Are you finally going to just... And he doesn't rebuke them per se. He simply says, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons. In other words, that's for another time. Don't worry about it. I know you are suffering now. I know you're going through something right now. And sometimes you just want the Lord to come and like take this weight off of my shoulders. Lord, I'm just going in, day in and day out with this this battle that I cannot go through anymore. Amen. But he just says, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the world. He says, no, he didn't want to see and say, you know what? I'm not removing this at this time, but I'm going to give you something that you can continue walking through this life with. I'm going to give you something that's going to help you along the way. I'm going to give you something, amen, that is going to change those around you. I'm going to give you something through which you are going to transform lives. You are going to change people. You are going to restore marriages. You're going to restore families. You are going to restore the people that are around you through my word, through what I am going to give you. And that's what he was conveying to them. You will have this power. And we have that today, church. We need to remember and we need to realize that we have that today. You and I 
I have that today and we can grasp it, amen, and, 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 and be that vehicle, be that mechanism, amen, that can transform the sinner. But you, amen, it says, will receive power. You will receive it, amen. And the church is in a particular season and a position to fulfill the will of God and be that vessel for transformation. We can let people know about the grace of God, the mercy that is available to them and that can change them, amen. But we need to look past that veil of flesh. We need to look past what we see on the surface. We need to look past the sin that we see. We need to look past the chains that are binding them. We need to look past that. I'm gonna talk about a story that is probably all too familiar for you guys or for anyone that's really been in church any amount of time or even not in church. And I'm going to wrap up with this. <clears throat> it's the story of Cain and Abel. By show of hands, who's familiar? Cain and Abel. I mean, if I could summar summarize that to one sentence, I think the way that that has been explained and expressed to us through Sunday school or through, you know, through whatever means. If I could summarize it in one sentence, it's probably like, Abel, good, Cain, bad, right? I mean, th th in a nutshell, that's what it is, right? And I, I, I had someone bring this to, to light for me and I was so just, just, just blasted away by such a simple, simple concept. I almost feel like, I like to listen to other preachers. I like to listen to, um, you know, other um, just men of God that are within our organization that are bringing the word every week. And I, it, the thing is that the word of God is so amazing that even when two people read the same scripture, you can bring a different message from it. It's not going to come out the same. And, and so I, I've read this passage. I've read this passage many times. And it, it never had this eye-opening experience. So I'm going to make you a part of that because I want you to be as blessed as I was. And so we're going to go to Genesis chapter 4. Genesis chapter 4, verse 9. And this definitely takes the whole Abel good, Cain bad into a very, very different, different perspective and different outcome. The word of God says in verse 9, Then the Lord said to Cain, 
Where is Abel, your brother? He said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? And he said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. So now you are cursed from the earth, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you till the ground, it shall no longer yield its strength to you. A fugitive and a vagabond you shall be on the earth. And Cain said to the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Surely you have driven me out this day from the face of the ground. I shall be hidden from your face. I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond on the earth. And it will happen that anyone who finds me will kill me. Verse 15 says, And the Lord said to him, Therefore, whoever kills Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord set a mark on Cain, lest anyone finding him should kill him. We're going to continue reading. I'm going to go through a few names here, a few, just the offspring. But there is a purpose to this. Verse 16 says, Then Cain went out from the presence of the Lord and dwelt in the land of Nod in the east of Eden. And Cain knew his wife, and she conceived and bore Enoch, and he built a city and called the name of the city after the name of his son Enoch. To Enoch were born uh, Erod, or Irad, and Erod begot uh, Mehujael, and Mehujael begot Methusael, and Methusael begot Lamech. And Lamech took for himself two wives. The name of one was Ada, and the name of the second one was Zilah. And Ada bore uh, Jabal. He was the father of those who dwell in tents and have livestock. His brother's name was Jubal. He was the father of all those who played the harp, and the flute. Okay, let's go back. Let's go back to verse 9. Or verse 13. So we have Cain, right? That just committed murder. Would you consider murder to be a, a big thing or, or a small thing? It's, it's a big thing, right? And we have... Cain that just committed that action and the Lord comes to him and demands an answer from him right and so in verse 13 so after the Lord lands down the sentence or or brings down amen the hammer Cain responds to the Lord and in this response, he says to the Lord, my punishment is greater than I can bear. This is probably the first time or the one time where he was being honest with the Lord, where he was telling him, exactly what was going on and so he says my punishment 
is greater than I can bear. And he says, surely you have driven me out this day from the face of the ground. I shall be hidden from your face. I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond on earth. And it will happen that anyone who finds me will kill me. He says, I'm going to die. I'm a dead man walking. If you send me back, if I go out there, somebody is going to kill me. And what does the Lord do? He extends something to Cain. And he says, Therefore, whoever kills Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord set a mark on Cain, lest anyone finding him shall kill him. The Lord extended grace to Cain. That evil action that he did, I'm not going to say was blotted out, but grace, something was extended to him, and it was visible. It was something that the people of that day would be able to see and know that there walked a man. I don't even know if I want to use the word forgiven. But that had, that had been that wrong made right by his God. And there was a sign. There was a seal. There was something placed on Cain that blotted out the actions that happened beforehand. And so we just stop very early on and we think, Cain killed his brother, done, evil, go to hell. But the Lord sees something different. And he saw something different in Cain. He didn't see the man that had just committed murder. He saw what the potential. He saw who Cain could become. And I want to take you to that last verse, 21. Remember, this is all the offspring. If you don't have Cain, you don't have Jubal. And who was Jubal? He was the father of all those who played the harp and the flute. If the Lord kills Cain, you don't have a harp. You don't have a flute. You don't have something to worship God. If Cain is, is, is taken out because of his wrongdoing, you don't have something that worships the Lord. You don't have an instrument that can be used to worship God. And we have David, we have the, the, the book of Psalms that are riddled so much with music and acts of worship to God and acts, amen, that brought supernatural things. We have David and his young youth, amen, that played the harp for a king that sent out devils that, that run out, amen, the bad spirits. That came in to Cain. 
that started with Cain. So God absolutely has a purpose for the sinner out there. He has a purpose for you and me. We cannot just look at the sin. We cannot just think they're lost, man. There is no hope for this person. We need to look beyond it. And I'm not here. I cannot make excuses for someone that has hurt you, somebody that has offended you, or maybe a pal, a friend, a neighbor that is a constant uh, uh, eyesore for you or that is a constant, amen, uh, uh, rock in your shoe. I, I cannot explain that and I cannot make excuses for that. But I do know that God says, my grace aboundeth. My grace covers all things. And just as you are important for me, they are important for me as well. And so God has a purpose for all things. I cannot answer, if you ask me questions about Abraham, Moses, Samson, David, Solomon, Paul, and their deficiencies, their failures, and why they did certain things, I may not be able to answer that. But I do know that the grace of God covers all things. And the grace of God is here for you. And the grace of God is here for me. And the grace of God is here for the sinner. And he will put a mark over you. He will seal you, amen, with his Holy Spirit. He will give you the power, amen, that is needed inside of you, amen, to bring about that change. Let's be on our feet. So we don't choose the sinner. The church body is here to extend the grace and be deliverers of this word. We don't choose necessarily who, when, why, or how. We just, we just talk about this book. We just talk about this gospel. We just spread what we can to whomever we can. Now, you might be thinking today, you know what? This is for me. I need to come. I, I need to take advantage. I need to get a hold of the grace of God. It is here for you. If, if you're already past that, you're like, you know what? We're good. Then there's somebody that you can deliver and be the bearer of, these, of this good news for. There, there, there's got to be someone. And sometimes we may have to operate out of our comfort shall but we do it and praise God his goodness his mercy is everlasting he is a God from everlasting to everlasting and so I just want to invite you today talk to your God what, wherever you may find yourself wherever you may be talk to your God because there are plans. His will needs to be fulfilled in our lives, in yours and in mine. Praise God as our worship team takes us in a song. Let's not forget to talk to our God, amen. Praise God.